0: Chucky, don't have a problem with killing. (laughs) Don't fuck with the (laughs) Chuck.
1: Why do you kill?
0: It's a hobby, really. Hi, and welcome to the Franchise Players Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Goddard, and we're on the third chapter of our Child's Play run. And as always, I am joined by my co-host Chloe Davies hello hello so step three we've oh, how many more left to do jesus
2: uh i don't even remember how many there are to be honest it's quite a lot
0: i serious i know we've got bride seed curse and cult mm-hmm. uh, we've got about five more left
2: Bloody
0: and a reboot yes there's yeah, five more left <laughs> We seem to be doing a podcast and podcast tour at the moment. Uh, Previous had Becky Dark on from the Point of Horror podcast. And last week we had um, Russ on here as well um, promoting his new podcast. This week we have another guest. We feel honoured this time. We keep getting new guests every week. Uh, We're joined by a fellow podcaster. uh, He knows his horror just as much as we do. We do hopefully more. <laughs> uh, he is from the Unnerving podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Eddie Generous.
1: Hi, thanks for
0: having me. No worries, no, no worries. worries. Thank you for joining us. For the guys out there who might not know much about Unnerving or you, you, you personally, um, just to tell us a little bit about yourself, your history of horror, and a little bit about your podcast.
1: Well, I guess uh, to start with uh, Unnerving stuff, the the podcast is actually a kind of a wing of the publishing side, I run a magazine and a small press. Uh, so the the podcast is pretty much conversations with authors and talking about horror books and, and you know, suspenseful books, stuff like that. And as, as for how I got into horror, it's kind of funny with Child's Play. Uh, one of my earliest memories is uh, I was about four years old and we had one of these great big satellite dishes in the backyard like they're like this bigger than a kiddie pool and my father had paid the guy to pirate it so we got all the pay-per-view channels one one day like this is like the the whole brunt of the memory i have is my parents going somewhere and leaving me home alone so i'm guessing it was somewhere urgent with my brother because uh, he's older or maybe my sister, who was would be just born. They said to me, "They're like, don't you watch that movie?" And I, <laughs> as soon as they left, I put it on the pay-per-view HBO to Child's Play, and it scared the hell out of me. It's it's really <laughs> one of my earliest memories. So that's kind of where all the my love of horror began.
0: I think a lot of people start that way, especially you know, don't don't watch that movie. I had that with with Candyman over here. Remember my sister watching it and getting quite quite scared of it and not wanting to look in the mirror. And I'm kinda sitting on the stairs poking through the the balances just going, eh, it's not that bad. (laughs) It's fine what they were watching in there. So Child's Play, have you have have you seen all of the the series or like previous guests maybe haven't seen all of them in the series?
1: Oh well, child's play is a bit rare for me because um again, one, when I was a kid, I had this babysitter uh, and she left behind two like bootleg VHS um, child's play movies, number two and number three. And I'd actually really grown I'd watched them so many times I'd grown to like dislike them. Uh, mm. I, I don't even remember exactly like it was since it's been about 20 years since I'd seen the movie, um, I, I'd stopped watching Child's Play altogether and I finally just last year, I was like, oh, I'll give Cult of Chucky a try. And I really liked it. So going back and watching Child's Play 3, uh, I just I have a memory of, of really disliking it. And I remembered that rhyme that they said all through like my entire life. I remembered that uh, this is my rifle, this is my gun, this is for shooting, and this is for fun. <laughs> Probably because it's yeah. so lewd, right? Um, I remembered that and that's about all i remembered of it. And, uh, so uh, revisiting it, I enjoyed it a bit bit more and and I've talked to people since and they're like, oh, well, the best child's play movies are the ones after number three. So, Mm -hmm. ah, I I guess I'll get to them eventually.
0: Yeah. I I mean, bride. Is a very good film. That's the that's a Chucky I know. I remember that more than the first two. I strangely remember this quite well. <laughs> I don't know why I remember this so well, but I always get this one confused too. It hasn't got the best reputation. It's kind of one of those ones that it's it's, it's the third film aspect. A lot of a lot of the third films in a series seem to go through of it's not great, but we get into our thoughts throughout the throughout the film. I, I would I would guess so. Yeah, I think we should just just jump on in. Apart from, actually, I've got one question for you. Um. Out of all your horror authors you've spoken to for your podcast, who is your favorite? Sorry, oh, yeah.
1: my favorite horror author I've spoken to. Um, I guess I've, I've spoken to him a bunch of times. I really like him as a person. I've met him in real life as Stephen Graham Jones. Um, mm-hmm. he just he just put out a fantastic book called The Only Good Indians. But I've also uh, I've talked to a good number of really cool people. Uh, some people aren't that cool, but that happens. Um, yeah. so mostly mostly it's pretty good people.
0: Cool, so if you guys are ready, we can go straight into Charles Play.
1: Left, 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 right, left. Welcome to Hell on Earth. You are without a doubt the most pathetic thing I have ever seen. Oh, oh.
0: strict discipline.
1: You asshole.
0: Next. Rigid dress codes.
1: Get those weapons in here! See him high!
0: And grueling drills. <laughs> it couldn't possibly get any worse.
1: Wrong again, wimp. Chucky's back. <laughs> A few years have passed. Andy, how you've grown. No, you're dead. We killed you.
0: I'm new and improved. <laughs> and this time really gotta get out of this body!
1: He's looking for a new recruit. Ah!
0: I got some fresh meat lined up and I'm not gonna let you spoil it.
1: (laughs) Now, just think. Chucky's gonna be a bro. Tyler! Child's Play 3. Look who's stalking. That haircut ain't regulation, soldier with the chuck
0: ah! so child's play 3 we basically start off where we left off in the last movie several years later though in this one we open up on another uh, rebuilding scene we get this from Charles play 2 this one's a bit more goopy so we get the kind of the blood of chucky mixing in with the plastic and kind of a plastic molding of the body of the new Chucky. A little bit, I, I think looks a little bit like the Halloween pumpkin scene.
2: I was going to say of... that exact thing. I was going to say, it reminds <laughs> me of like the pumpkin in reverse. Like it's, I actually, re- that one of my favorite parts of this film was the opening title sequence. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. It had that sort of vortex thing going on in the way that it looked like coming together and it's re- it was kind of creepy and gross. And yeah, it went on quite long, but I was like kind of hypnotized by it. Um, so I really mm. enjoyed that.
1: I was really, um, Surprised, like I I was thinking about it. As soon as as soon as they showed the goopy corpse being dragged above the the other, you know, the vat of plastic, fresh new plastic, I was thinking like this whole movie series stops if somebody just takes a shovel and a pail and puts (laughs) the remains in the garbage.
2: It'd be so easy, (laughs) but then (laughs) we'd be out of like five more movies.
0: I suppose yeah. after all these years, no one's done that yet. So. <laughs> yeah. After the. I agree, pretty pretty good opening credit scene. We get to meet the owner of the good guys again. Remember him from the second film when he didn't give two shits, when the guy kind of electrocuted to death in one of the most amazing scenes in a child's play movie. They are basically trying to basically rebrand Chucky for the 90s. He still doesn't care. He, he's, you know, several years later now. I think Andy is 15, 16 now in this one. So. Basically, well, they basically works start again. they want to put all this you know, one and two business behind them and just rebrand it completely. What doesn't go well for him is uh, he gets a special surprise, a special toy, a special uh, brand new Chucky, which is actually going to be Chucky. So you're in the owner's office in this next scene. Um, the owner is unaware that he's going to die next. <laughs> so the opening scene basically, the opening, he harkens on to the first film a little bit, uh, more like Chucky in the shadows, which... You obviously don't get later in the movie, you get a lot more Chucky later on, but it's, it was quite a nice kind of feeling of the first film, him kind of stalking for his kill this time. Um, we get some quite childish <laughs> childish ways of killing. Uh, we got the... He's playing, playing golf, wandering around his uh, his office drunk, but you got Chucky trying to take him out with uh, some marbles, hits him in the head of a golf club. Then we get into a bit more of a tortury kind of Chucky side, which is what we know about him throwing dart save and just just completely going very kind of kid friendly in a way of like kidding him with the toys and just basically choke him out of a yo-yo compared to like the other films what do you guys kind of what's your thoughts on a little bit like on, the, on the death scenes? i know we're going to go into more of them later in detail but overall for the feeling of the film the death scenes in this one what are your feelings on this uh,
1: The the one thing i do really like about this first i know you'll get into the death scenes uh, a little more thoroughly but um yeah. The, the series kind of ignores the fact that uh, Charles Lee Ray, I think his name is, is is the strangler. Um, mm. and, and and in this movie, I'm pretty sure that Yo-Yo is the only strangle scene, whereas <laughs> it kind of should be Chucky's M.O. the whole way through the series. Like, he should be strangling people, but he just, he knifes most people up.
0: He does get more knife-happy near, near in this one. I know... One of the, the other two films is a little bit more choking or trying to choke you know with the small hands but I, no, I get that yeah we didn't, didn't really think about it like that I
2: actually really like that point you made about the struggle. I didn't really think about that before um, this film I, I don't feel like the films have ever the last two haven't been particularly like graphic or anything Um, yeah. but this one really felt like quite toned down I think you watch it for like kind of the exaggerated scenes like you know the first film you have the dramatic falling out of the window even though it's like it's not that gruesome or anything but it's like it's so dramatic and like you do get a bit of glass breaking later on when you have that guy falling into a table but it's not the same you know Um, but I you know I actually think Chucky looks really scary in this movie <laughs> like I think the tone is a lot less like he has a lot of comedy in the other film. like there's this kind of silliness to him and like you know the swearing and all that and it, but this is kind of character is kind of ignored in this one it feels mm. like it's not the same. He just feels a bit off. Um, It doesn't feel like the same. I know it's been redesigned a little bit for this movie. Like he has these like angry eyes and like, I don't know. He just looks really, really scary and he looks a bit bigger. Mm. Um, But I just don't think he has the same sort of playfulness. He has a few lines, but it doesn't feel the same to me. And I think that's probably partly why it's got a bad reputation in the series, because I think people don't recognize the same character that they've known in the rest of it. Mm. If that makes sense? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean the design of, this, of him in this one, I think you're going to see more of later in the series as well. So maybe that's why I kind of recognise he looks more like the Chucky I know in this one, when the other one is a bit too 80s and too sweet for for a doll. Uh, I know you said in the previous episode, you know the, the facial expressions were quite obvious in the in the previous movies. So next thing, we have Andy. Now he's 16. He is going to. Army school. I I'm not sure what you call it in America now. Uh, military school. I'm assuming he's been kicked out into too many homes now and uh, this is where they've dropped him. So don't get any any talk about his mum. We know obviously she's still must be in the mental institution from the second film. You would assume so. <laughs> <laughs> so now he's in the military school. We get a scene where he is in the office with the, I'm not sure what to call him actually.
2: He's the colonel I think or something. Yeah
0: recording yeah. for, for the uh, <laughs> for the podcast I, i'm sure we'll get corrected by people to me um, they're just all
2: army guys i don't know, <laughs> I, know
0: I know so he's basically the, the guy saying you know yes you've got a history you're, you're a bad apple even though they keep calling him a bad apple bless him he's not as cute in this one as he is in the previous film so maybe that's why <laughs> you can get away with calling him a bad apple in this one
2: he has stupid hair at the um, beginning so that's probably it <laughs>
0: Ah, talking about the hair, we get my next favorite bit coming up soon. This guy's a bit weird. Uh, so basically the the colonel wants to make uh make men out of bed wet- wetters. It's the nineties. Things were still, you know, okay in the nineties. <laughs> but yes, we get we meet my one of my favourite characters in the whole film, the overly excited barber who seems to get turned on by hair. Oh He's he gets turned weird. on by hair. <laughs> Not so bad in this part, but later on in the film it gets a bit uh, a bit interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so he's basically getting excited about cutting cutting Andy's hair, but during this during the scene, uh, Andy sees that the advertisement for the new the B- the good guy doll, is now Isle. still the same advert they had before. same the same advert from the first movie. I think they'd revamped it, but mm. for the 90s, like they're supposed to be. This is where we get to meet afterwards. Asked uh, first kind of regular character for this film in whitehurst he's the uh, the geekier like 90s geeky kind of style of character he's a bit of a fish out of water he doesn't really want to be there so he's probably very similar to andy's situation in a way basically telling andy that this place can be hell on earth so it kind of sets the scene for how shit this place is going to be especially when we meet Shel- shelton your thoughts on the on shelton guys
2: um he's kind of a dick <laughs> and oh, yeah <laughs> you know what? i don't i don't really like a lot of characters in this film or like i just didn't really care mm. that much I'd say the two sort of characters i maybe liked i i kind of like De silva um and i kind of wish I'd, i i kind of would have liked her to be like the main character actually i don't know she just mm. seemed more interesting and then i really love tyler like tyler is so cute and <laughs> if anything had happened to him i would have been so mad because <laughs> he is just adorable <laughs> Yeah, I just think there's so many people in this film. It feels quite crowded, and you never really get to spend enough time with any of them. I think it was a weird change getting... I know the Alex Vincent at the time was about 10, so they couldn't get him into this film. Mm. But just, I don't know, I wish they'd moved on at this point, because I see what they kind of tried to do with the story. But mm. it just feels like Chucky needs a new goal at this point. Like, in the last two films, he had the same thing, where he was trying to get his soul into a new body. Mm-hmm. I just want him at this point to accept it and just be like a doll and do whatever he wants to do. But it just feels like it's retreading the same ground and it's trying to take a fresh approach by switching up sort of the dynamics. But it was just, I don't really care about the characters too much in this. It was
0: it was a bit lacking in character. I, I, yeah. yeah definitely. Get
1: that. Well, as far as the characters go, it's, it is, it, this one is purely like the first one. Okay. It's like a slasher in the way that, you're introducing a slasher hopefully series is probably what they think when they they start one of these movies but it is the same as like you know friday the 13th part three uh where it's like okay we've set the ground here everybody run this guy's coming to kill you so and, and as far as as uh the guy uh what's his name that shelton the main mm. guy uh he, he serves his purpose, totally. Like, you aren't confused whether you're not, like, you're supposed to like him. That's like, that would be way more depth than Child's 3 has to offer in any <laughs> any form at all. Like, Absolutely. this this movie is, is just pure, you know, you want to see people die. And it is a rare slasher type movie where you're not rooting for the slasher.
0: No, that's true. Because usually at this point, you, you want a Freddy or a Jason to kind of going their little kids pretty like they normally do but you want to them to die obviously but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: you, you know i did feel a little bit bad because it was like he was trying to help but it just i don't know it's kind of sad in the way that he died more so in the fact that the people who killed him didn't know that they were doing it <laughs>
1: you know yeah. what i
2: mean like there's just some sort of tragedy to that like these kids are like the ammo is like switched out and they didn't know and mm-hmm. they accidentally end up killing it reminds me of like you know the crow with what happened with Brandon Lee, like that sort of situation, like you think how horrible that must be to be that person. That's why mm. Shelton's death was like, oh, that's actually kind of depressing. Like I didn't like him, but even <laughs> even I felt a bit bad at that
0: point. Bless him, he tried.
1: <laughs> yeah. The end.
0: Once he knew was going on, he, he wasn't too bad. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so it is me, a it saying, is a
1: it is a like a firing line. uh so they don't know exactly who shot him which kind of yeah. it's it's the same way they do with like uh g- rifle executions i guess right you don't know which bullet killed the person
0: true i sure we'll get to, we'll get more to that we we'll get to near near to near, near to his death unfortunately he does die in this one uh, so he goes he basically his his person to pick on really is is Whitehurst. Uh, again he is the fish out of war in this one unfortunately and he does get the uh the unfortunate brunt of Shelton's dick baggy But he's defended by the De Silva, who was our, our female character in this one, our uh, love interest, which we do no, not get. she's the in love
2: interest because she's like the one female character. And then there's her friend later on, but she's like the one girl there. So I was like, oh, I know where this is <laughs> going.
0: So, oh, he's old enough to have a love interest now. No. <laughs> <laughs> not a big sister this time, like number two. Then we also get to meet Tyler properly as well. Uh, so Tyler, his dad is away uh, with war. He's he's doing planes, I believe. Um, so he's kind of just there to kind of you know he's, he's in kind of some kind of schooling, which is which is good for good for the lad. At least he's not you know on his own. You wonder where where the mum goes. Obviously he got that kind of orphan feel to it, like you do with with Andy's character. He's pretty much an orphan. You know he's not he's not going to get his mum back. This is where Chucky enters the, the fray. And basically, Tyler is a stealing little shit and shouldn't have got that item. If it weren't for him, it wouldn't have, we wouldn't be in this situation. He steals the package meant for Andy, which is now holding Chucky. Who, for for a killer doll, knows his way around some some uh technology, doesn't
2: he? I really want to know how he wrapped himself in the thing. Like that's my one oh, big. Pot just, holder. <laughs> how did he wrap himself in the box?
0: <laughs> is my question. Holy- Crap! That's a that's a that's a plot hole and a
2: glaring plot, <laughs> plot hole that really bugs me the entire time. <laughs>
0: like,
2: I can't stop thinking about it.
0: it. <laughs> no, I'm thinking about <sighs> it. It's <now>. bugging me.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry if I just ruined that even more for everyone, but it's there. God damn it! <laughs> Someone <Something to> explain. <laughs> I don't think I can.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe. Yeah, we actually yeah, don't even see the aftermath of the guy who died, though. <laughs> I don't know. It's confusing me. So Tyler is (laughs) trying to get around the conversation. (laughs) I'm in a a hole cycle. Uh, So Tyler still is a good guy doll. And Chucky basically jumps out the the parcel like he's going to fucking kill him. Screaming at his face. He uh, basically just tells him in three three simple words, who the fuck are you? (laughs) Uh, You do get my favorite line from from Tyler in a bit, though. It's, um, stop swearing, Chucky. Charles, stop swearing. (laughs) <laughs> so throughout the film he's, 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 he's very against his bad language from, from, mm-hmm. from Charles who was going to cause him all the way through but Ch- uh, Chucky kind of realises that he doesn't really need Andy you know he's a brand new body he can get a new new victim so he tells Tyler his secret he's uh, going to be his best friend till the end and he'll do the fa- our favourite game of hide the soul so Chucky kind of leads him over to a weapon storage we're going to try and play play hide the soul with him he gets interrupted by the colonel the and then we get the formation Training where Andy and Chucky finally again meet from a distance. I don't know he hasn't seen him since he was a kid, so I'm not unless unless he's found a picture of him on, in the paperwork. I'm a bit surprised he would recognise what Andy looks like, but you know. Oh, and Shelton continues to be a dickhead, <laughs> which we kind <laughs> of Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do love this scene. Even, even the death to death in this next next scene is a bit. Lackluster. I do like the idea of it. So we got Chucky get thrown into the back of a uh, disposal van, <laughs> and basically kind of screams out into big kid. So the guy kind of jumps in the back of there, and it got out quite easily though. So I don't know why I had to make a big scene, but yeah. poor bloke ends up going into back of the uh, back of the dump truck, uh, trying to basically try to find if he's got some kind of army student there that he's about to incinerate or crush up, and unfortunately meets his untimely demise we don't really get to see as you're saying i want to say about deaths in this one you don't see much in this one
2: Mm, yeah
0: considering the death scenes we had in number two this one's a bit lackluster i don't know if you guys agree with that bit from from this death scene Mm, definitely Mm. next scene, we've got chucky who is now for some reason going for andy you would have thought maybe he would just focus on trying to get tyler but okay you need to kind of fill the story up with something, I suppose. Uh, so he's in Andy's room, knife in hand, looking to get his revenge on Andy. Nobody can keep a good guy down as he tells Andy. Um, and he tells Andy his plan, like every failed supervillain. I, f- I find Chucky's character in this one a bit more stupid in a way. He's making stupid mistakes that he didn't kind of make in the other films.
2: Yeah, he's really um, just tells him what he's doing. Like, mm. <laughs> why? So this is
1: the part of my movie, and this is what's happening. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I can understand why he's going to go back and kill the kid cuz he he ruined his plans the first time and he's a serial killer. Like how do serial killers pick people? Do they do they um let people go if they don't get them the first time? That doesn't feel very ser- serial killery. So mm, that's true. It do, it does seem like I I guess I guess it's okay um for the most part. You also don't. You also aren't. We aren't taking into account the uh, the severe trauma poor Charles has faced, being dumped into a rubber doll, and what that <laughs> might do to his psyche. Um, true. He he has. He might have multiple layers of of things going on inside his little rubber brain that <laughs> yeah. you know we just aren't, aren't aren't thinking about here. That's true.
2: He, he's like um. Dragged like a lot of this movie is him just getting taken place to place by people. Like he'll end up being taken by one of the soldiers or you know by someone else. He just he I think what you actually said about his psyche is like really interesting because I was thinking about how he's just completely lost his autonomy as a doll. Like he hits out when people try to sort of take control of him, like the guy who tries to cut his hair or you know whatever it is like that's when he lashes out the most. Mm. So I think this sort of like him in his own life when before he was a doll and him being so in control and being the serial killer um and taking control of all these situations and suddenly being in this doll's body and everyone is like able to just do whatever. That must be really horrible for him. <laughs> like in his in his own weird serial killer way.
0: In a way, he is the
1: victim.
2: Yeah. <laughs> If you want to look at it that way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, after he tells Andy his plan, um, Shelton takes him and basically makes Andy his new bitch. So now Chucky's with Shelton. Uh, Andy breaks into Shelton's room to try and find Chucky, who escapes. Uh, and then we get crazy Shelton wanting to know where the doll's gone. I think he believes Andy hasn't taken it. I don't think he believes Andy's got it. He just wants to know who has it. So the dude basically... I think they call it the sickener <laughs> over here when they're watching the when we got the uh kind of army training stuff. Kind of just making them kind of do the laps and do the guns and Andy seems to be able to kind of easily slip away. Very, very easy. Just to slip out of this very heavily populated area of, of adult soldiers watching them. But everything all the scorn is on Andy now. And this is the thing, it's Andy's fault. Andy's done this and so that's the thing you get throughout especially in the end, nearer to the end scene where they are shooting everybody Andy gets to blame it even though it wasn't him who shot anybody, Mm -hmm. it wasn't his fault but he's the one who gets to blame because again, he is this slightly mental bad apple in their eyes Uh, so meanwhile Tyler and Chucky are playing hide and seek, bless him Tyler's a sweet kid but he doesn't know what he's getting into He's a bit less patient with Tyler than he was with Andy in this film, I find. He just wants to get down to business and just you know, get his soul out of that doll. So they make their way to the Colonel's office where uh, Tyler's hiding inside the closet. However, the Silver and her friend are trying to find out a bit more about Andy in this weird kind of Facebook stalking for the 90s kind of way. And going for his farm, basically trying to find out a little bit more about him. Um, before they can kind of get down to the whole he almost got killed by a killer doll story, he's hanging in, in the closet and they find Tyler with Chucky inside the closet. So again, Chucky hasn't got his way. They basically mock t- poor Tyler <laughs> for having the doll. Um, yeah. They put lipstick all over Chucky and, you know, yeah, like like, like like the older sister little brother kind of a thing. It was kind of like mm. the, the mocking Chucky and now Chucky declares war.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. So Colonel... He heads back. They obviously uh, they leave Chucky on his desk, but they know that he knows something's, something's not right in his office. So he finds Chucky, chucks him in the bin, and uh, dies of a heart attack when Chucky is about to come going to attack him. I actually kind of a... of
2: quite like that because it kind of ruins his fun. He's like, yeah. really? Come on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> kind of a thing, you know. Would it be nice to see him get a proper death but no it's it's a it's a good little death scene it's it's part of right. the subtle subtle death scenes in this film
1: i i was just thinking um i wonder if because everything is these movies are, are mostly shot in like slasher movies are mostly shot in america um mm. in the 90s and late 80s i was wondering if if the difference in these movies could be correlated to the different presidents and the rules they uh they put on on films and stuff like that as soon as a new guy steps into office because there is a new person in office in 1989 to 19 whatever mm. that it's like it might be like these movies have to be more you know less less horrible for the children we have mm. to think of the children who might see these mm. things uh so that does change things and i i kind of wondered while you guys were talking um, if that had anything to do with it, somebody smarter and more, uh, you know, well-informed on American things uh, than I am would, would know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, up, I'm up here in Canada, so. Oh, no. Like, like, I, I don't know if you had this in Canada, but um, I
0: doubt it because it's more of a British thing. But from the 80s, we had the uh, Video Nasties over here. Um, we had the Video Act, which kind of screwed up everything horribly <laughs> back in that time. You know, all of the, you know, Hannibal Holocaust Cannibal Holocaust, Exorcist, that kind of thing mm-hmm. getting banned over here. So right. we know here in the UK just how bad it can be. So no, I, I get that point actually. It's looking at the nineties, I mean nowadays you can get away with more, but also get away with less. But in the nineties you kind of come out of the whole um like driller killer and and then kind of movies coming out around the in the 80s and the 70s in the 90s when it's starting to get a little bit more kind of less brutal i can see i can see that
2: it's interesting that this is less like you say less brutal but this is actually the film that caused a lot of controversy when the james bolger case came about Mm. um the kids were they had been watching like video nasties and especially the one that got mentioned in articles was child's play three yeah. and also Charles Play has been like you know blamed for stuff like this before. I think it was the um columbine shootings where the the perpetrator of that was also had been watching Charles Play and that got blamed for that as well. So I find it strange that this is like one of the least kind of gory films like you say it's kind of a bit less brutal, mm. but it's actually I think this sort of sense of this doll and this kind of childhood innocence being sort of tainted is like something mm. that people really, don't like and i wonder if that's something to do with it i don't know
0: (laughs) no no agreed because about the the bulger case was you know he he took that kid from that shopping precinct and he led him off which is in you can kind of see the child's play connection looking at the child's play films of in his head why maybe he might have in his twisted kind of mind because that kid is there's there's, the both them boys are. There's, there is definitely something wrong in their head in that one. Um, especially if you kind of see what they've also done as adults and what they've kind of been put back in prison for. Um, which we won't talk about in this podcast because we're supposed to be a fun podcast. But <laughs> looking at the content of this movie, there's worse films that you could have kind of got it from. Yeah. Um, but now, yeah, it's.
1: I just find that it's
0: such a such a kind of eh, horror film it has caused a lot of kind of historical kind of controversy on that one so no I I, it's interesting it's interesting definitely interesting getting back onto some more lighter (laughs) topics. sorry to
2: bring sorry to bring uh, (laughs) (laughs) such downer to to the podcast guys I
0: I mean in in fairness though it's a good point to make I mean it was a one of the what kind of the Mary white houses things was it's it's video nasties that's why they're banned and that's why we had the 18 rating in the end it is part of our especially in the uk part of our history and you know with columbine as well that was one of the things it's unfortunately part of american history as well anyway yes yeah, so <laughs> we get um at dinner the hair sergeant our uh little kinky hair friend is uh getting excited going around rubbing hair he likes hair, <laughs> given particular dates and times. He wants the haircut as well. And kind of the first kind of scenes where it starts to get a bit more brutal in the deaths. After he goes around filling up some hair, Andy tries to warn Tyler about Chucky and basically saying, look, you know, he's not a good guy. Yeah, don't trust him. And he's basically seeing it as they both know Chucky's alive. And Andy is just jealous because Andy can't be his best friend anymore. And that is the kind of innocence of Tyler in this film is he does honestly believe just like Andy did in the first film that Chucky was his friend or is his friend. So we get into Barbara's care. Yeah, he kind of belittles Whitehurst. Bless him. It gets, it gets, it gets a lot of bullying in this film. It gets quite uncomfortable the more it gets in, if I'm honest with, with Whitehurst's character, but it does make his, his, the scenes later on with him, you know, he, he is the the, the, He's the hero. secret hero, yeah. So he leaves the hair sergeant, I'm going to call him from the, at this point, uh, to sweep up Chuck this mess, and finds Chucky in a cupboard who goes to get and cut Chucky's hair. Chucky doesn't like his hair cut from the looks of it. Comes to life and slashes his throat. That's it. Clean death. That's what I like to see in my slasher. This is when Whitehurst knows then what's going on, and Chucky's standing there, knife in hand, saying hello to him. Didn't kill him. Didn't, hi. <laughs> and off Whitehurst runs. Uh, Whitehurst, sorry. Whitehurst. Because we don't like Mary Whitehouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's war games. And De Silver and Andy are on the same team. And they get to go and have their little, you know, relationship bits. Whitehurst comes running back. There's something obviously wrong, but he doesn't want to admit to Andy that he saw something. So Chucky loads the guns as well now. This is, the, this is the bit where he loads the gun rifles with the bullets. Uh, just for the red, red side, from the looks of it, because the blue, the blue team, have got blanks and we kind of figure that out once you start shooting at Chucky, which is a quite nice reveal later on. They go for their march, we end up at camp, and the group of tennis spooky stories. And you, the silver, get their kind of close moment uh, with Chucky watching on. There's nothing, that was a bit
2: creepy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nothing <laughs> says sexy him, watched by a doll. So he gets to uh, he's, he's like, he has to get out of this body. He wants a bit of that, that sweet, sweet. The silver arse apparently. In the tent, Andy basically tells White House, Look, you know, I need your help to try and to, to get, you know, Chucky, and he's like, No, nothing happened. I don't know what you're talking about. Andy goes alone to go and kinda of try and save Tyler from Chucky and in the process puts a big big target on his back because the blue team then just basically think Andy's fucked off and joined the red team. Tyler doesn't want to play hide the soul anymore and we get to we get to Tyler's scene They're in the woods and he kind of you know realises that he's not a nice doll and we do do get chucky trying to kill him but chucky's character hasn't really changed much with the tyler character he's always been a bit of an asshole to him He's hmm. always been you know they were kind of seemed nice like in charles play one where he was quite nice to andy
2: yeah and the best thing he does in this is he bursts out of the box and just like says who the fuck are you like doesn't that give you a clue that he sucks <laughs>
0: <laughs> so but, your
2: yeah i think tyler's like a bit lonely and you know he misses his dad and he just wants like a little friend and it's like oh so precious i want to adopt him <laughs>
0: <laughs> andy does find tyler and tyler's managed to get, get away and get to to andy but then the silver gets captured as well so she gets a bit she, she's now privy to the uh the situation Seems quite calm for somebody who's a uh, face-to-face of a killer doll but hey ho he wants to do a trade so he wants to trade the silver for Tyler. Ends up doing it. Good for good. good for him, I suppose. He, his plan kind of works. Then the blue team, still thinking it's part of the red, red team's plan, have kind of um, started shooting at Chucky. This is when we kind of get the reveal of they are the ones that do have paint pellets still in their guns. And this is where the red team then come in. They shoot Sher- uh, Shelton by mistake. Shelton kind of seems a bit more like like we said before Shelton does seem a bit more kind of human. He kind of realized, Oh, this is what's going on. (laughs) Get shot down for his trouble. He would have thought maybe he might have survived it. I had this feeling he might kind of come back and kind of save the day, maybe at the end, but Mm. unfortunately not. Chucky wants to end it here and there. He didn't have as much fun in his little firing squad as he wanted. Throws a grenade at them. And this is where probably the saddest death I've actually seen in this, in these films so far is uh has throwing himself on the grenade to kind of save everybody else, killing himself, but...
2: loving himself a, a... a sack of bravery, you know.
0: <laughs> Bless him. He just, he just wanted to get on and leave, really. That's what he wanted. Bless him. He, he has saved the day, and he, so far, anyway. This is a bit really the bit like carnival, right? <laughs> yeah, so then we get the carnival scene. <laughs> um, which, obviously, you know, Andy and De Silva were looking at Lovingly from a distance. What do you think is Ty's t- t- decision here? I mean, I think he's quite a smart kid, really. he gone, gone straight to security on this one. But the guards just picked up this random doll. Chucky's quite quick as well, realized.
2: Yeah, I was like, how do you get there <laughs> so fast <laughs> on these little legs?
0: He's just a small, small, small person, you know. He's I'm
2: <laughs> a small person. I can't run that fast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so getting close to the end now. Andy DeSilva Silver find Chucky uh, find Chucky's next victim. Uh, the guard is now dead on the floor, and they basically now Chucky's taking Tyler over to the ghost house don't get many of these over in the uk quite elaborate quite nice kind of big place to kind of hide really from to kind of steal someone's soul tyler basically just does what he's told in a way he tries to escape but you know chucky almost gets his gets his way later on in this scene. but first of all before we get to kind of chucky almost becoming tyler tyler does get does escape he's trying to get gets, gets kind of gets his legs stuck at points at point um an awesome scene where he's trying to get away and he's got this giant scythe on his ride, which looked quite plasticky <laughs> to me, but it seems to slice off the side of his face.
2: Yeah, I mean I think the last sort of half hour, like just like twenty minutes, went by a lot quicker than the rest of the film. Um, it kind of really picked up the pace and I think the bit in the sort of haunted house attraction was my favourite. Um that bit with the like you said with the scythe was so cool. It just the way it he looked after that was just so creepy. Um, there's a shot later on, you know, where he's falling and it's just, like, the way his face is lit, it just looks so scary and, like, awesome. So I was glad we got a few cool bits in that and I actually really liked um, Tyler's little getaway scene where he was, like, um, holding on to one of the things, you know, the things that pop out, like a little skeleton and he, like, Mm. hides in that. I thought, oh, he's actually, that's actually kind of a cool thing. It was quite a cool setting to, like, have it in. Um, Mm. And earlier on when they see the carnival from the forest or whatever, um i was like oh that's gonna be a cool third act i think so yeah i was really i really liked the setting for it um and i i think that was my favorite part of the film
1: well i did i do really like um like that sickle does look pretty chintzy but uh, the after effect of uh chucky losing uh you know half the flesh off his face was excellent mm. um that uh, that is uh, a great visual but i don't know it seems like it was building 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 and then uh you know, instead of going, because it would have been a, a very different and more impactful movie had they gone full horror for the ending. Like, mm. I know, I know, he, neither of you will like this, and it probably wouldn't have been able to been uh, run. But if Tyler's dropped into the fan and bursts into a bunch of pieces, no, no. I uh, <laughs> <How dare> you. <laughs> and and the guy is uh, and uh, Andy has to you know uh, kill Chucky in a different way. You just have, you have a, a, a much different ending because when the cops take Andy away, uh, instead of having a bunch of living witnesses to be like, no, Andy didn't do it, uh, you've got a dead little boy and a surviving teenager. Mm-hmm. So what happens then? Andy goes away again, like actually, instead of being like, why don't they just tell him it wasn't Andy? That's true. As much as I but... hate the
0: thought,
2: like that would have been like you're right, that would have been a really like impactful ending. It would have made you think, oh shit, what's actually going to happen next? Like it would have felt a lot more dramatic. Um, and also there's a lot less like comebacks from chat from Chucky in this one. Like he only comes back like once, whereas in the last one he came back like three or four times, I swear. Um, but yeah, it just felt like you're right. It kind of built up, and then it would have been great if they'd like done something a lot bigger. But I think compared to the rest of the movie, um, I preferred it. But yeah, like like you said, it could have had a lot more um, sort of payoff, I guess, and like a better climax. But yeah, I do part of me does love Tyler and is like glad he didn't die. But <laughs> yeah, it didn't, it didn't make sense like so much with Annie getting taken away. I didn't feel like he was in going to be in that much trouble. Um, you know, they've only got like one dead body, and it was like they had to witness that you know he didn't oh. do it. So it's just it doesn't feel like he's really in that much peril at the end. I don't know. It's just not, I guess thinking about it, it's not as satisfying. It's like he sort of won, but it's like not. I don't know. It just didn't feel right. You know, I, I can't really explain it. It,
0: <laughs> it was a bit flat. Mm. Like you know, when we got the end, the, the ending of number two, we had I forgot I forgot what the character's name now. Uh, Andy and the girl character in that one. Oh, Kyle. Kyle, yes, yeah. we had. Um, Chucky, Andy and Kyle leaving, mm. leave the factory, which is a lovely ending because you don't, you kind of expect there to be another film, mm. but they went through so much trying to kill the fucking doll. <laughs> yeah. This one is kind of like, well, he's thrown him into a giant fan. Brilliant. He's dead. But he gets arrested and goes. And it's just like, there's That's no, <laughs> there's nothing really with him and the silver, which you would have thought that maybe they would have kind of wander off into the sunset together or maybe or you know could have said somebody tried to kidnap him because you got again you got three witnesses and yeah it's for such a great ending ending kind of portion the end actual end was a bit of a disappointment to me personally but um and that is Charles play free. Um, don't we have to do anything else in explanation? Just, he throws him into a big giant fan and choppy choppy, which is going to be interesting to see how he gets put together in the next movie. A lot of people say this is the worst one out of the free. Eddie, what what, what, what are you were force on this one?
1: Well, like I said, before we were recording, I liked it more than I remembered liking it. Um, but it is, it is pretty much a very tame. It's, uh, you, it's a filler movie. It's it's yeah. like this this series is making money. Um, let's jump on let's jump on with another one. Uh, I do I do love Brad Dorif though. That guy Jeez. that guy has been some awesome horror movies. He's been in some awesome everything movies. Um, yes yes. Uh, so I I don't know like as much as I dislike. A lot. Well, it's not even like dislike. It's like I can't even muster up an emotion to give a shit. Mm. Um, it's like
2: indifference for isn't it? a
1: good. Yeah, it's just like, eh, I don't know. Cool, you killed the bully. Um, <laughs> yes, military school sucks. Uh, oh no, the police have taken Andy again. Like, eh. Give me, give me some stakes here. Uh, mm. uh, you know, have somebody important die. Like, I know the mm. nerd dies, but it's like, he's a nerd. Um, you're not like, like I mean, like a TV nerd where you're like, I don't really care. You uh, mm. didn't give him any back backstory. You didn't anything at all. He's just at military school and doesn't want to be there. So it's like, mm. eh, who cares?
0: Whereas somebody like the Silver or even Andy dying mm. would have kind of, emotional states would have been a lot higher. And it would have given Andy a bit more of it, more of a want for revenge against Jackie. Jackie really, maybe. But no, yeah, I, I agree with with both you. It's a bit of a, a bit of a non like, like a non-film. It's like a cash grab in a way of like we need we've got the rights, let's make a third one. It's a little bit like with the leprechaun movies when we did leprechaun for the first kind of yeah. portion of the series. <gasps> yeah, we did all of them. <laughs> all of them. That, oh, we did all of them. <laughs>
1: That that scene in Leprechaun uh, in space, I can't get over it. I watched them not long ago because I ranked them on a for a, another website just doing a blog post. Uh, it was a couple mm. years ago, but uh, that scene in Leprechaun in space, where the woman uh, takes her top off as like this is how we greet people on my planet, and shakes her tits <laughs> at the, the guy, and then puts her top yeah. back on, and it's just like that is the worst, and you can see uh, the the just poor studio budget all the way through and the le, the leprechaun shaking the place up. And it's just like, oh, this is hands down the worst uh, space movie. And like b- some space movies aren't, aren't as bad as everybody thinks they are, but that one is terrible.
2: Oh, I can't help but yeah. love it
1: though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. com- com- compared to in the hood, it's a bloody masterpiece. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I never we'll saw it in the hood too. Oh, you're not missing much.
2: I think the second one was slightly better, but the first one, mm, no. <laughs> mm, mm,
0: yeah, well, yeah, In the Hood and Origins. Origins is just a big pile of a uh, dumpster fire, really. But, oh, yeah, I had a big um, old rant about that one. <laughs> oh, we did, didn't we? Let's not that. It's, it's horrible, 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 horrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so there we go. So rating out of five. Chloe, what would you give this one out of five? And your That's overall three. thoughts? Mm.
2: I'd give it, like, a three-ish. Like, it's, I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. It's kind of in the middle. Like I said, I'm kind of indifferent to it. Um, I don't care enough to give it, like, a solid three and a half or anything. But it's oh. fine. It's like, I'd probably watch it again if I was bored, but it's it's probably my least favourite so far.
1: Okay. How about you, Eddie? Out,
0: out of a rating of five, what would you give this one?
1: Somewhere between two and three. Uh, it's like, you know, if you were at... If you were sick in bed and you had cable TV and it came on, you'd probably watch it. Mm. But that's about it.
0: Okay, cool. You wouldn't want to relive this one again. (laughs) Oh, cool. So, uh, that is that for this time around. So what we, what we do on this podcast sometimes is just basically have a little chat at the end of it and discuss what we've seen. So like we do every episode, well, I'm gonna start ready this time because we've got guests. We can always let the guests go first. So, what have you seen recently?
1: Ooh. Uh, in horror or just uh, in general? In in general, in general, we're we're pretty uh,
0: uh, pretty open here. Yeah?
1: <laughs> as far as new movies go, uh, they finally put um, Knives Out on Prime. Uh, mm. I, I liked it, but it was like um, it was almost too spelled out for like the mystery. Like it was like. Here, this is a foreshadow moment. Make sure to collect it on your way uh, to point out who is the the killer at the end. Is like here. Don't forget this one. It's here. It's a clue. Um, so it was it was a bit thick on that, but it was okay. Um, I don't know. I I honestly I rewatched so many movies that I just I can't get enough of. Um, mm. And unfortunately, uh, Doctor Sleep was so perfect that it's kind of thrown off my you know 15 times a year watching the shining because now i have to watch them back to back and that's like a, <laughs> that's like five hours out of my day uh so i don't know that's uh, i as far as recent stuff i'm i'm way behind the curve you and me both You and me both.
0: <laughs> i spend a lot of time watching stuff for this podcast i have no other time to do anything else but chloe does <laughs> it's a chloe what have you watched
2: this week? I've watched four things since we last talked. What? <laughs> so I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> I have no time anymore. So um, the first thing I watched was I Know What You Did Last Summer. I hadn't seen this before. Oh, classic. But um, it wasn't like my favourite thing ever, but I was like, there was one bit in it that was so good. It was Sarah Michelle Gellar running away from the killer. And mm. just that whole sequence was just, why was she not a bigger star like in horror? Like she had Buffy, but like beyond that, there's not too much. Not that she had a bit in Scream, but it's like, oh, she deserves so much more than this. It was such mm. a good bit. I don't know, it was just so intense, and I think that bit like really like lifted the movie up for me. So I'm probably gonna watch the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um then I watched <laughs> I put myself through an Eli Roth film because of Keanu Reeves, so I watched Not Knock, Knock. The reason I I've watched not this seen that yet. So I'd <laughs> not seen that. I'd seen his speech from the film going around on Twitter and I was like, I need to see it just for this. <laughs> um, I would recommend just watching the Keanu Reeves parts of the film and then leaving the rest because his parts are awesome. He even has a dog in it, which is like the best. Um, and yeah, I I hated the film, but I loved his his <laughs> his acting was just so perfect. It was just it was just utter crap, and I I just loved his part and that speech was everything. So I mean, it was worth it just for that. Um, so. I, I'm not an E.R. Roth fan at all. Like, I like a Hostel a little bit, but I'm just generally mm. not... I don't vibe with him that much, so... um, Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Then I watched Athlete A on Netflix, which is um, a documentary about the um, abuse scandals in gymnastics, and um, that was really... It was a tough watch. Like, hearing those stories and everything was awful, but it was also really powerful at the end, where they have... um the girls like doing their impact statements to the person who did it to them. And it was just like, so insanely like, wow, that's so awesome for like telling the story and, you know, actually facing the person and saying, you know, I'm living my life, get fucked basically. Um, mm. And then the last thing I watched was, um, so on my website, I'm going to be doing a series of reviews on extreme cinema. So uh-huh. I started my first film, which was we are the flesh. Um, okay. What the fuck was that movie, (laughs) is all I have to say. Um, I'm still not sure how I feel about it. Um, It it had, like, amazing, like, sound design, like, and the production was, like, beautiful, but I'm still just, like, confused. So (laughs) I'm going to have to read a few articles. I think I'm going to have to sleep on it a bit more. But I'm excited to, like, write about it and see what happens. Mm. So, yeah, that was what I've watched.
0: Still still not seen that yet. Still not seen it? Mm -hmm. I, yeah. As you know, I've, I've, I've been recording with Russ this week, um, so I was forced to watch Home on the Range. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I still have nightmares in that movie. And um, Brother Bear, so I watched those this week. hate Home on the Range. It's absolutely diabolical movie. Anything with Roseanne in it is diabolical in my opinion, but you know, there you go. Um, Brother Bear, not too bad. I quite enjoyed it. I didn't think it was too bad. You know, um... We also for the horror cast we watched Blood Quantum, which was surprisingly okay, you know, for as zombie movies go, it wasn't too bad. And uh, Adam Green's Dealing at the Marrow as well, which eh, good design, but eh, it's nothing much of a movie. Didn't have it. has been, been a couple of weeks now on the horror cast ripping a couple of kind of you know, not mega great movies. I'm getting bored now. <laughs> I want something good, damn it. We're we'll doing society soon. That's going to be a, a little body horror I one. To, need, uh, you need
2: to watch it. I'm, I'm going to try and watch you it, it soon.
0: You know, Get you, get you on, uh, on the other podcast. There you go. You can watch it with us. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, apart from that, not an awful lot. Um, yeah, it's good. Again, it's, it's mostly doing stuff for the podcast. i just start watching because um, I'm going to be reviewing all the Gamira movies Mm. i've just got those to review on blu-ray so i'm gonna go for each one of them and read them on snake by horror so that'll be an interesting one (laughs) japanese monster movies awesome and there we are that's our episode of franchise players for the week um next week or next week or next episode is going to be bride of chucky um we'll be be joined again by our good friend russ bailey reviewer of snake by horror But again, I'm going to say thank you so much for coming on, Eddie. Um, Where can people find you? On social medias. Um, Yeah. Uh,
1: Okay, so uh, for the Unnerving stuff is at UnnervingMag on Twitter and UnnervingMagazine.com. That has all the links to the podcast and the magazine. And then for my personal stuff, um, I'm on Twitter at at GenerousEd and my website is jiffypopandhorror.com. Uh that has links to all my my books and things like that. So I guess I guess that that covers it. I'm I'm not on you any help. any uh, any Zuckerberg sites. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> not on them
0: either. Uh, if you wanna plug any,
1: any new book or anything
0: exciting
1: coming up? Yeah, I guess um, I have as far as the podcast goes, I just had a chat. Uh, with Stephen Graham Jones again. Uh, it's probably the third or fourth time I've had him on the show. Uh, and then um, coming up uh, shortly, I'm not sure when this will air or when I'll post it, uh, I talked to Steve Alton. Uh, he's the author of The Meg. Oh, um, yeah, pretty book. So, so that that whole series and then, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the movie's based off it and all that. Uh, and also, I guess I have a giant monster book uh, book that just came out uh, on july 1st titled uh what lurks beneath uh came out through severed press so that's available i don't know uh i do lots of stuff <laughs>
0: <Good>. <laughs> hey just uh, promote away promote away <laughs> um cool and chloe as always where can people find you
2: i'm on chloe dav196 on twitter and groove reviews is my website thing and to Davis DavisQuality7 if you want to know what I've been watching or not been watching, because I don't have time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and with us, you can always catch us over on Twitter at Snake by Horror. Um, for us at the Franchise Player Podcast, it's pod underscore players. Um, you can also find us over on the Snake by Horrorcast. we will find me over on the Snake by Horrorcast uh, every fortnight. Uh, with me, Niall, and Marcus and sometimes guests. We've got guests now. Yay. Uh, you can find us over on CastBox, over on Deezer, iTunes, Google Play, um, catch some Spotify, most places, Buzzsprout. You can find us from most places um, where you can get podcasts. Um, and, yeah, find me personally over at SnakeByHorror on Twitter, uh, SnakeByHorror on Instagram, uh, by Vault over on Letterboxd. Um and that is all for me. So, um, again, thank you for Eddie for being part of the podcast. Um,
1: and as always, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Chloe. Bye.